0: Welcome to the Lucky Let Court Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming to you on Wednesday, October 24th. And you know what? We didn't plan to have an episode of the podcast out today, but so much happened last week on the ATP and WTA tours. We felt like we had to bring in Tennis Now's editor, Richard Pagliaro, to discuss some of the huge events. Stefano Tsitsipas of Greece wins his first ATP title. He has had just an incredible season. It's no surprise that he's finally won his first title at the tender age of 20 years old. Also saw a title from Kyle Edmund in Antwerp, the 23-year-old British number 1. Claims his maiden title and has an emotional celebration on court afterwards. Also, big week for... Karen Hatchinov of Russia and Daria Kazatkina of Russia. They brought home titles on home soil. So, so much to talk about. We're also going to dip into the Lucky Letcord mailbag. And if you guys are interested, you can also get your questions to us on Twitter. We are at Tennis underscore now. You can use the hashtag Lucky Letcord and send us your questions. We're excited to get to a few of those today. So, yeah. A lot of great stuff to talk about. And, you know, the fall season sometimes can drag on a little bit. The U.S. Open is in the rear view mirror, and it's, geez, almost, it's over a month ago. But there are so many storylines, storylines developing, and it's such an exciting time with a lot of these rising young players making names for themselves. Just couldn't wait to get on the phone with Richard to talk about his views on some of the exciting developments we are seeing in October in tennis so let's get right to that interview now amazing week two maiden titles Sitsipas gets his first in Stockholm Kyle Edmund follows suit and gets it done in Antwerp what are your initial impressions of these uh, special performances from these two ATP rising stars
1: yeah, I think it's the first of, of many. I think we're going to see both of those guys raise a lot of a lot of trophies in the future and maybe be, even be playing against each other. And also, I thought Kyle Edmund, to win it the way he did in the third set against Monfier, a really experienced guy who really makes you play off at you, he really had to take that title. He really had to play offense and go after it. And he did. I mean, he beat two quality, you know, Gascade, Monfier, back-to-back. He really earned that. And since the past, to me, he's a superstar in the making i mean i i really love his game and his potential and to be the first greek guy to win an atp title and also you know I remember the last two finals earlier this year losing to rafa and then he goes up against golbus who was 6 and 0 lifetime in atp finals that was a huge huge win and he he just handled himself beautifully. Like he was so calm throughout, it was very impressive.
0: Well said. And what do you make of the emotions of Kyle Edmund? The the uh, the tears were flowing. I thought it was very beautiful. How much that to see how much that title meant to him.
1: Yeah, it was beautiful to see because you see the years and years of work and, you know, he was almost in a sense a forgotten man because Andy, as great as Kyle Edmund has been building up to this moment, you know, you're playing in the shadow of of Andy Murray and he was almost like a forgotten man, but to be the number one in Great Britain and also, you know, like you said, the emotion it should, because he's a pretty reserved guy. I mean, if you watch his matches, he's pretty, you know, tugs on the baseball cap, you know, doesn't give you a lot of, he'll give you a fist pump, but he doesn't show you a lot of uh, of emotion normally does show that it just shows you know a lifetime of work sort of crystallizing in that one moment how how meaningful and, and transformative it is
0: yeah it's nice it really gives you a sense of perspective you get to really look inside what it means to a player like that a uh, very special moment some um, you know interesting stat from a- a- atp media info came out after this finals this week the three atp champions on sunday were 23 and under sitsipas hachinoff and edmund and the last time this occurred in the same week three champions Twenty-three and under was two thousand eight. Do you know who those three players were?
1: Wow, that's a great question. Cla- I don't. I'll save you the class. time. This is
0: impossible. Nicholas Almagro, which is one you might have picked if you were really just getting lucky. The other two were Sergei Stakovsky in Zagreb and Steve Darcy in Memphis. Amazing, right? Wow,
1: incredible. And 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 as an amendment to that. Steve Darcy, uh, you know, beat Nadal at Wimbledon, and Sergey Stakovsky beat Federer at Wimbledon. Yeah, they so both... they both had huge Wimbledon wins later.
0: Yeah, they both went on to have decent careers, and of course Almagro has had a lot of success. The injuries have bitten him lately, but we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, these three title winners in a second, and we're going to also dip into the Lucky Letcord mailbag. But first, a quick look at the WTA Finals. Um, initial observations, a big surprise with Helena Svitolina playing so well, Naomi Osaki has struggled. What is your initial take as we're almost through four days and the first two matches in round-robin play for each player?
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because you hear the players say different things about the surface speed. I thought it might be a little bit slower, and that might favor the speed players. But, you know, Wozniacki lost the first match, and I thought to me a big match was Sloane beating uh, Naomi. That was a big win and really started off the tournament well for her. And then the Osaka-Kerber match, that was a battle, and I mean, that really, that went right down to the end, to the third set, and Kerber gridded it out, because she, she got broke, so she could have won it in straight sets, got broke, and Naomi showed a lot, I mean, the you see the flashes there, it's just consistently putting it together, point after point, and she had a ton of break points, her break point conversion wasn't great, but I think when Naomi, you know, you end the year, you're, she's probably not going on to the semis, but you've got a lot to look forward to two next year because she showed against anyone in the world she can dictate play and that's a huge weapon to have.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with Osaka. There was a lot to like in her performance today because she was clearly not at her best. She struggled, made a lot of bad misses on the backhand and was emotionally really, it looked like she's just a little bit frayed after all she's been through this season, but to see her fight back and to push that match deep into a third and nearly beat Kerber, uh, I'd say impressive and it's so much to build on for her, right?
1: Absolutely, and understandably, you know she's 20 years old. This is the first time she's she's a uh, WTA Finals debutante her first time here. And physically, you know, look her record over this year, she has not gone three sets that all I think that was her seventh three-setter of the year. I mean, so to go against someone as physically fit and as tenacious as tough as Kerber and take her the distance, I mean, to me that's and especially like you said, it seemed like they were both banged up. Naomi was grabbing at her leg and. Kerber looked like her back was bothering her. So to be able to be in a little bit of distress and still push that match two and a half hours right to the end, I mean, she has a lot to be proud of, I think. And also Kerber to grit it out like that because there were times where Naomi was just teeing off on her second serve, but Kerber was able to pull through at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: we know Angie's a warrior. And lastly, the zillion-dollar question, who's going to come through and claim this title?
1: Yeah, that is a zillion-dollar (laughs) question. That's like the mega-ball (laughs) question. I, I got you know, I don't know. I like what's what Sloan showed in the first match, but as we speak, you know, she's in the third set against Burton's. I, I just don't know. I don't know. Kovitova you have to say she's pretty much out now. You know, if Pliskova got hot on serve, you know, you could look at her, but I, I don't know. It's a really, really
0: tough call. I don't know. I I really like the play of Alina Svitolina. I think she's out there with something to prove. I'm gonna say it's either Svitolina or Burton's in a very big surprise winner.
1: Yeah, I like Svitolina. I just think when she gets against some of the bigger hitters, she defaults to the defense mode, and sometimes the serve, second serve, can go. I mean, that's a bold pick. I mean, if she wins, that's a great pick. And, look, we've seen surprises like the year Sabokova won. I mean, nobody really picked her. Yeah, I mean, Svitolina would be a great pick. I would lean towards Stevens, although Stevens, outside of the, you know, North America, she hasn't really had big results apart from, obviously, the French Open final. But I like what she showed in the the, – in the first match.
0: Well, let's look forward to a third set with Stevens and Burton's, which is just underway in Singapore. But let's uh dip into our mailbag. Believe it or not, we've got the Lucky Letcord Podcast mailbag. Uh any listeners out there that want to chime in, we are at tennis underscore now. Use the hashtag lucky letcord and give us your questions, anything you want to know about tennis. Today we got a question from Mari Suzuki. At Mari Suzuki. She wants to know what kind of future do you see in Sitsipas, Edmund and Hachinoff? How many grand slams are they gonna be are gonna be winning? And she goes on a little bit here. Ranking potential um, who do you think will be in the top ten in say two years or five years? She wants to know. Richard, did you follow that? Yeah, or can... do you have a reply?
1: I mean, look, all three of them are within striking distance of the top ten. I think next year you could say maybe all three of them could crack the top ten. As far as major potential, it's always hard to say that because you don't know stuff like injuries or you don't even know how someone's going to handle the nerves of their first major. But just off the top of my head, I would definitely say, to me, Tsitsipas could be number one in the world and win multiple majors. I mean, I think he's that good. I just think he's that good athletically. He's got all the shots. And to me, what distinguishes him from Zarev and Kyrgios and some of the other guys is he can transition forward and he does it naturally. It's not... You know, team has worked a lot on that and he's gotten a lot better at that, but because of his core positioning is so far back, it's not natural for him. Whereas I think Tsitsipas has that ability and because he has that ability he then has the ability to win on every surface. so I really, really like his game. I think he's going to be, of those three, I would say he'd be the most successful. I think he could be number one in the world. But look, Hatchinoff is the guy. Look at those matches against Rafa this year at the Open and and in Canada. Hatchinoff is like... You know, he I looked up to Saffin. You could say he's like another Saffin potentially. I mean, the guy is—he's a powerhouse, and he runs like a gazelle. The guy's six six. He runs like a basketball player. I mean, yes. he moves beautifully. He's a powerhouse. His backhand is beautiful. It's compact. You can't really beat him off the backhand. So I like his potential a lot in Edmonton. Look, Edmund was in the Australian Open semi-final. You know, he was one match from the Australian Open final. So I think that tells you his potential. I mean, of course he has Grand Slam final potential. He was almost in a Grand Slam final in January. So yeah. I think all three, you know, I think all three can be top ten players. I think Sitsipass has the greatest upside for me. And then I would say off second and Edmund third. But, you know, Edmund has been further than either of those two guys. So yeah, you have to true. give him that.
0: Yeah, and I will add to Mari's question, I think that... I agree with you. I think that when I think of number one potential and really break out super elite talent, I think of Sitsipas because of what he can do on all surfaces, because of the maturity he's shown At his age, he's barely 20 and firmly inside the top 20. Hachinov didn't crack the top 40 until 21. Edmonton not inside the top 50 until he's nearly 22. So in Tsitsipas, we're talking about someone with really special elite talent. I also think he's going to be first one in the top 10 because he doesn't have a whole lot of points to defend in the first half of next season. He really hasn't had his big breakthrough at the slams yet, so he can go much higher. Let's move on to the next question, which is from Saleh. S-A-L-E-H. At Saleh... Albanian wants to know when is Tsitsipas going to win his first Grand Slam? Go ahead, Richard. Tell us.
1: I want to say within two years. Within two years, I think he can win a Grand Slam. I mean, the guy's on—he's knocking on the verge. He's knocking on the top ten door right now. You know, he's beaten really, really good players in Masters events. Two out of three. I realize it's not three out of five, but. Yeah, I think within two years he can win a major.
0: I'd say so. You know, Big Four is aging. We have to really keep an eye on Novak Djokovic because he's going to block the, that pathway for a lot of players if he keeps up what he's been doing. But, you know, he just keeps getting better, this guy. He's Yeah, he's, he's headed for big things. It's going to be really fun to watch all three of these players progress.
1: And also to pick up on what you just said, you know, to to win a major, you've got to beat top 25 players in succession. And he did that in in the Rodgers Cup. He did that. He strung together wins against top top guys. So he knows he's not playing on hope. He knows he can do it. He's already done it. It's just, can he do it, you know, three out of five sets, seven matches, two weeks? That's a whole different challenge.
0: Yeah, what you're referring to. He's the youngest ATP player ever to win four consecutive matches against the top 10. Pretty impressive. Right. Um, Right. I I ran a uh, poll on Twitter, Richard, that you might be interested in, and I asked um, who ends up with more ATP titles when it's all said and done: Sitsipas, Hachinoff, or Edmund. Sitsipas gets 67% of the votes, so I think people are seeing things the way we are seeing them. Hachinoff gets 29%, and only 4% for Kyle Edmund. I think. Uh, where were our British fans when that poll was released?
1: <laughs> yeah, good question, yeah. Yeah, look, I saw Kyle Edmund in person uh, play Nick Kiros at Queens Club this in June, and he played a great match. And after, in the interview after, obviously it's mostly British media, a lot of the questions were about him. And the first thing Kyrgios said was, my gosh, this guy's backhand is so improved. You know, not to say that he had a bad backhand previously, but he goes, what he can do off the backhand side now is just dramatically different to what he was before and we all know he has a really big serve and a really big forehand so that just shows you how well-rounded kyle edmund you know the work he's put in to get to that first title
0: yeah it's been a year of first for kyle first grand slam semi-final reached first atp final on the clay in marrakesh became british number one broke into the top 15 and he's the highest ranked of these three players we're talking about so don't right, disregard the right. talent and the potential of kyle who's a just a very astute player and a very hard worker and i think he's going to make the most of his talent when we're going to find out how good he can be in the years to come one thing we haven't mentioned yet another special moment from last weekend the triumph of daria kazakhina who wins the title in moscow and not a diff, not an easy thing to achieve at all under all the pressure of playing on home soil she wins the title and breaks into the top 10 for the first time your thoughts on that performance richard
1: It was great, especially because of the final where she was down and it was really seemed to be getting away from her that she was able to pull it back. And that there was a couple times in that tournament where emotionally she was teetering a little bit on the edge of, you know, maybe really getting – losing her focus, losing her concentration, that she was able to reel it back in. It was a really, really mature performance and obviously the added pressure of doing it in front of your home fans where you want to do well so badly. And, you know, to me it's almost like – a, a really, really important step in her evolution as a player because I think she is a top 10 player and, and she belongs there. So it's a great, great victory. I think she's going to look back on it as a just mentally as a moment where she really, where she really achieved something big.
0: And the last question I'm going to ask you today because we're going to head back to Singapore where Kiki Burtons now leads Sloane Stephens 2-0 in the third. (laughs) So your prediction is looking
1: better as we speak. It is. Is
0: is, is Kazakina headed higher next season and does she have what it takes to win a major, not just in the future, but now?
1: I don't think she can win a major next year because I think her second serve is still can be a liability and the elite players you know get on that but if you look at her return game i think she finished this year breaking like forty six percent of the time and that and Halep was like the leader like forty eight point five or forty nine percent she's right there with the best in the world in yes. terms of breaking serve and we know about her hand skills and her creativity and her vision her anticipation she's a very special player in my in my view i think the serve is a stumbling block though also as far as top five like, to me, if Serena comes back and can and play at the level she showed in New York, then you're looking at, to me, if Halep's healthy, Hallep Serena, I think Osaka and probably Stevens, that's four right there in the top five, and we haven't even talked about, like Muguruza, Kvitova, you know, multiple champ. Uh, Slam Champs, or Ostapenko, so there's just not a lot of room in the top five, so I think initially that's going to be tough for her, but I think she can definitely achieve the top five in her career and definitely get to major finals for sure.
0: Beautiful. Well said, Richard. He is Richard Pagliaro, Tennis Now's editor, and we are thrilled to speak with you again. I'm glad we're doing this regularly, Richard. Uh, Let's talk again soon.
1: Yeah, next time we're going to hit and then talk. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so we'll sounds good let's play some tennis <laughs> good idea
1: yeah absolutely yeah it's great talking to you also thanks so much Chris. thanks richard
0: that's going to be a wrap for this edition of the lucky let cord podcast a tennis now production sponsored by tennis express want to give you a heads up on all of our social channels should you be interested in checking us out on twitter at tennis underscore now please keep those questions for the mailbag coming Use the hashtag LuckyLetCord if you want to get in touch with us. We'll try to get to all your questions on future editions of the podcast. You can also check us out on iTunes. We love it when you stop by and give us those five-star ratings and review the podcast. That means a lot to us. We'd appreciate it greatly if you could do that. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com tennisnow or Instagram instagram.com slash tennis underscore now thank you for listening and we'll see you next time on the lucky let court podcast